Welcome to Everybody Hates Me, Let's Talk About Stigma, a podcast hosted by Dr. Carmen Logie. She is the Canada Research Chair in Global Health Equity and Social Justice with Marginalized Populations and an Associate Professor at the University of Toronto's Factor in Wintosh Faculty of Social Work. This show features amazing speakers from around the world talking about stigma from research, lived experiences, and activism perspectives. Why should we care about stigma? What can we do about it? This podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Haudenosaunee, Anishinaabewaki, and the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. This land is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit. Historical and ongoing legacies of colonization produce injustices for Indigenous communities, and this podcast aims to understand alternative ways forward. Thank you for tuning in. Let's start the show. Listeners, today we are in for such a wonderful podcast. I am so honored. Uh, Elder Valerie Nicholson is our guest today. I don't even know how long I have known you for, but I feel like it's been over 10 years through the Canadian HIV Incidents Women's Observation Study, Chivos. But I, before we get there, I want to uh, let the listeners know that Elder Val has a lot of experience in research at the British Columbia Centre for Excellence in, in HIV Research. Uh, she's been a co-principal investigator, community researcher, co-author of papers. She's an advocate and artist. She's presented at the House of Commons. She's working with the Canadian Coalition to Reform the Criminalization of HIV, the Canadian Aboriginal AIDS Network, a peer navigator with the Positive Living Society of BC, and a trainer with the Positive Leadership Development Institute, as well as so many things and an elder for Camp Moomba, so many things. Val, thank you so much and welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And I would like to acknowledge that I am speaking to you today from the unceded, which are the stolen lands, ancestor traditional lands of all the Coast Salish peoples here around the Coast Salish Sea. And I honor the Musqueam, the Tsleil-Waututh and the Squamish, for I leave my moccasin prints here lightly because I'm a visitor on these lands, because I come, I am Mi'kmaq, Haida, UK Islander and Roma descent. Thank you. I appreciate so much about a lot of the research projects we're involved in, is that you are part of them and that you bring this beautiful uh, opening, often an acknowledgement of the lands that we're on and ceremony into, into the research. So thank you. Thanks so much. I wonder if we're in an elevator and <laughs> imagine there's no COVID. So we're actually hanging out at elevators and someone asks you, tell me, what are you up to in life? How do you describe that in a few floors? I hope it's more than a few floors. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I ride up and down elevators sometimes when I'm, and I know I would with you because you're so fascinating. So what am I up to now? Working from home, I'm still really working 
with a lot of projects at the BC Centre for Excellence. I just uh, had my first author paper published. Yes! Tell, tell us. Yeah, at, oh, I don't have anything out here, but it's, uh, can you tell you where it went to? But <laughs> it was a process. I never thought I would go to that way of research, right? Because when I started, I was that community expert that, you know, you can't say that to us in community. Uh, you can't label us that way. We don't abuse drugs, you know. So uh, I think one of my biggest passions right now is changing language. Mm -hmm. I do not like the word intervention. Mm -hmm. So when I hear people, when I've been asked to come into a clinic as an advisor, and we're in an intervention clinic, and I'm going, why? Mm -hmm. Like, why? It's top down. We should be working together you know, when somebody tells you to do something, are you going to do it? Mm-hmm. You know, I think of as a toddler, as a teenager, no, we're going to do the exact opposite. So I have actually questioned people when they've used this in their papers, or I even questioned PIAC when they were using it in their STPBI. Um, and it was just like, they said, well, Val, what word would you use? And I'm going, the ancestors help out. <laughs> Positive action. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of an intervention, why don't we do a positive action? It's so positive, strength-based. And talking to an elder that is a really good friend of mine, and she works on a lot of projects with us, Elder Sheila, she says, "What well, in some context, why don't you add the word healthy in there? Mm-hmm. So positive, healthy actions when it's needed. So I think I'm a change warrior at this moment. I'm still speaking in front of classes and educating future physicians, healthcare providers, um, sitting on panels. You said I was a peer navigator at Positive Living BC. Unfortunately, Positive Living lost all their funding. Oh, no. And had to close their doors. AIDS Vancouver took it over, just that section. So I'm still out there peer navigating. Unfortunately, um, we've had a lot of new cases of HIV. So we're really busy on that and helping people navigate that care system. Camp Moomba, we're doing online. So I'm still doing that. Wow. And with that division of the Yosinawas program in First Directions, we're just putting out our first videos for this year, which we put out every year. And this is about on a land from, and um, so I've been working on that project. So that's just a little bit of what I'm doing. I think we ran out right at the top. Oh my, just a little bit. <laughs> so I'd be like, Elder Val, do you ever sleep? So um, <laughs> I was doing so many things. So what I, I will try to link to some of, of these resources and, and activities I'll ask you um, so the listeners can find, find those links. So... My next question, also trying to get to know you a little bit better. Where are you now? Are you in Vancouver? I'm still in Vancouver and don't see my family too much, my grandchildren, because I am a grandmother and I love that. I met them once. They're so cute. So Bailey has uh, come out, my granddaughter who just turned 11. So when she was 10, she came out and, or he came out and his name is Ash Michael and goes by the pronouns him and his. Okay. So I'm so proud of him. And my oldest grandchild, Tyler, has also come out and is transitioning into his womanhood. So wow. I am just so honored wow. to be a grandmother to these beautiful children. And I still, and there's Marcus and Wesley and Gunnar, and, you know. <laughs> so you have a really full life. So I'm going to show up. 
at your house or your place in Vancouver right now with my time machine. Okay. And as a space for physically distancing, it's safe. And I'm going to say, Elder Val, can you take us back in the time machine to a time and place where you felt inspired or motivated to do all the work you're doing right now about supporting people living with HIV to live what you said, a healthy, positive life. Where would we go in the time machine? And the time machine can have multiple stopovers, you know, I'm okay <laughs> to travel around with you. Okay. <laughs> um, I think it goes back to when I was using drugs to the best of my ability. I was living on the streets. I couldn't tell you what year that was. So 2000 and maybe eight, 10, uh, time is irrelevant to me. And I was using to the best of my ability. And like I said, being homeless at times. And I heard that somebody playing a drum and this drum was just somebody was beating on the drum. And I was attracted to that drum. And I just followed the drum. And when I came to the person that was on that drum, and I had never met them to my knowledge. And they just said, Valerie, you're home. And I just had this amazing feeling. And it was like, wow. And I started returning to culture. And so I treated the trauma that I was carrying from my childhood. And my addiction sort of just fell away. Wow. And I realized that I had lost about 10 years of my life being on the streets and, and being you know, in SROs, which are single room occupancies. And it was just like, somebody gave me a chance and said, there's a food security study. We're looking for someone we can trust in the downtown east side. Mm -hmm. And of course, with people not knowing knowledge and, and people who do not know the downtown east side of Vancouver, it's the most impoverished community in Canada. And they don't trust anyone down there. And somebody said, well, She's sitting right beside you because this was the sort of first mini conference I'd ever been to. They dragged me there, one of the nurses from the clinic, because they saw who I used to be, I think, and who I could become again. And somebody trusted me with money. When others that were from other areas and they were working out of ASOs, they didn't trust them. And they had to go every day to get the money to hand out to participants. And Dr. Brian Chittick from AIDS Vancouver, he was the executive director then, said, like, how much money do you need? 200, 400. I just, you know, I just went, wow, here's somebody that, you know, is still on the cusp of addiction. And it was just like, I need to get back. This is my community also now. And we need to be treated with respect. And I think I'm still, when you said I don't sleep, I think I'm still trying to make up for those 10 years that <laughs> when I wasn't a part of doing something, I guess is the best word. Yeah. And I just so enjoy working, but when you said I also don't sleep. <laughs> I was just joking. I was, I'm sure you sleep well. <laughs> I, I, I don't get don't. You're just busy. Because in my spare time, like I realized I'm sitting at a desk all day and I'm getting Zoom butt. Mm -hmm. I'm sure many of us are. I am. Yeah. And, and I also have diabetes along with my HIV. And my doctor said in between each call, you need to get up and walk around the block. And then I walk with a very good friend of mine. She's a nurse uh, from Oak Tree Clinic, our research nurse. And so we were going out on Sundays when we both had time and we started picking up garbage. So we started wow. Vancouver Garbage Walk and Talk, 
which is encouraging people to go out and talk with somebody that's in your bubble, pick up garbage, look after Mother Earth because she's looked after us. And I changed the name actually last night to Garbage Walk and Talk for Mother Earth. I so, love that. So people all around and we show pictures of the garbage. I really don't like doggy do bags <laughs> because yeah, right? why pick up after your dog and then we have to pick up after you. Right. But yeah, and there's children out there doing it and adults and they're getting out. And I made a joke one day on a Zoom call and said, because I was going, oh, I'm walking my dog for self-care and I don't have any pets except my plants. And I'm going, well, if I buy a leash, will somebody take me for a walk? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like three months later, I start this uh, on Facebook and people are saying, well, when can we go for a walk? And I said, well, it doesn't have to be me. Well, no, no, we want to be with you. So it's like I got I put up the universe. I don't need the leash, but I'm now getting out to walk that's, with. Oh, that's so motivating. We, we actually had a dog for 17 years that died a year ago in March at the beginning of the pandemic <laughs> and so we really didn't walk much for six months and then we were like we really miss having a dog so we got a senior dog and she's 15 now got her from a senior dog shelter so now she gets us out of the house and it truly is one of the only reasons that I leave the house every day which is kind of sad but who's Who's ever thought we'd be working from home for more than a year, right? That's right, so, yeah. like, so I'm so grateful that you shared your time machine with us. And, and I would say that's an amazing circle to be working with communities that you actually were, were part of. And at 10 years, you probably gained a lot of knowledge and life experience that allows you to, to build connections and empathy and understanding even more than you may have if you hadn't you know had those experiences i want to ask you the our stigma question but it's not really you know i mean you guys you guess it's a question but you bring with you so much understanding of these different kinds of stigma to me i've heard you talk about a stigma towards people who use drugs stigma towards people who might be experiencing homelessness or precarious housing stigma towards hiv stigma towards indigenous people what do you want the listeners to know? Why is stigma still really important for everybody to care about? Why should we still be thinking this is actually really important? We all need to, it still matters. It's still alive and huge stigma and discrimination and experiencing it. And I think when you experience it from peers, it's lack of education, but when you're experiencing it from healthcare providers that you think should know better, that really hurts because I am a voice and I have the strength to speak up, but there's so many that don't and it can change their whole life course, especially in healthcare by just actions and words that people say. And that is why there's a beautiful movie put out, uh, produced by Martin Moorberg that has just come out called Healing Inner Voices. I worked on this film for a year before I realized that Healing Inner Voices was an acronym for HIV. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> so it, it follows, um, it, we tell our stories individually, but they're woven together in such a beautiful way on how even stigma and discrimination from other people we form an inner stigma and, and self-stigma, which is so heartbreaking. 
and my partner who passed away. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. His healthcare really, really failed him. And so I've just got a small little amount of funding to start a project called the James Raven Project, Broken Arrow, because I really feel our system is broken. But in our cultures, um, or in my culture, a broken arrow means peace Mm -hmm. and working together. So by using those two, I'm hoping to do an educational film for healthcare providers. But I mean, I have also been in the hospital and emergency room where I have faced so much stigma that I left the hospital where the nurses were saying it was dangerous for me to go home. Yet this doctor was telling me to get out. You know, I hung my head to, and that's from a time when I didn't fit in growing up. I never was able to look anyone in the eyes until I was probably in my late forties, early fifties, because that's how I was brought up. And he, he took me back to that place. And um, so that's why I'm so passionate about this change. And um, I'll give you a really quick one. I was in getting a colonoscopy. I'll have to do a funny one because I just (laughs) taught this in a class and they just loved it. (laughs) They loved how I use humor. And I'm very vulnerable. We're going for colonoscopy, right? So my back is to the two people in the room. And the doctor actually whispers to the person that he's working with and says, we have to use universal precautions. She has HIV. And I'm lying there going, wow, this is at UBC hospital. And I'm lying there and I go, hello. And I'm waving my hand and I go, um, you don't have to whisper. I know I have HIV. <laughs> and then turn. <laughs> and if they're universal precautions, what does it have to do with the, your HIV status? <laughs> I know. And I said, and then, that too and I said don't we all use universal precautions right and and I said especially if you're going down there wouldn't you really want them (laughs) so um I use humor a lot in when it to get a point across there was nothing humorous about it of course not but for my self-care and for not and I don't want to yell or scream at anyone and say you know that's not right I think by using that humor I think really may have helped them realize that no, we don't have to whisper behind someone's back. And I, they were literally behind my back. And and also your HIV status has nothing to do with the colonoscopy and universal precautions. It's It doesn't, No. you're already using universal precautions. It's, it's so, oh, I'm so sorry you had that experience. Is there, and you've said that, that there's a lot of healthcare discrimination. Is there any, of, of course, anonymize and not necessarily your own personal experiences but is there any you know a day in the life of somebody who might be a person using drugs or experiencing homelessness or may also live with hiv what what might how might stigma show up and interrupt their day or shape their their whole day because i'm assuming that people get stigma from the people on the street and the walking by them and if they go into a store or you know every every kind of buddy in society can either play a role in in, in stigmatizing or or not stigmatizing I'm, I'm imagining from from a, a day-to-day life experience yeah it's really difficult and i have permission to carry a lot of stories and i know i guess they don't go back for health care 
you know, even when they get, if they get arrested, they're given red zones and that may be where they're getting their harm reduction supplies in front of. It may be where they're getting their prescriptions. Like no one's... What is a red, what's a red zone? Oh, a red zone. So if you get arrested for doing something, you're not allowed to go back to that area. So they'll say, you can't go between this block, this block and these streets. Oh, wow. Not realizing that is where they may be getting their health care right because they don't want you going back to the scene of the crime um or you know they feel that if that's where you live where are you supposed to go next yeah and i know of people that have been red zoned from buildings where they live in but words also have such actions recently i went in for to get some blood work i have one arm that works really well i put it out and i have a scar there from a car accident and the lab tech walked in and said oh you better stop using that arm because we won't be able to get blood out of there anymore. Wow. And I went, what? And she talked over me. I couldn't get a word edgewise and you could tell I'm a great talker. <laughs> I love to talk. And she kept saying this and I'm going, oh my God. Oh, first of all, she said, no assumption, no judgment. But if you don't stop using that arm and I'm going, what have you been taught? Wow. And uh, yeah, no assumptions, no judgment. So when I was talking to my doctor, who I love so much, she's such an amazing physician. She said, Val, do you want to go back to that clinic or to that lab or do you want to go somewhere else? And I said, no, I didn't get to teach her because she wouldn't, you know, listen. So I do want to go back there. And she says, I am so glad you are. She says, just think if somebody that was actually still having to use and went there and that woman said that same thing to them. They're never going to go back to any lab. Mm -hmm. So I, she just said, I'm so grateful that you can teach out there because you are helping others that they'll have a safer space. Unfortunately, uh, every time I've gone back, she's not been there. But one day when I went back, they said, oh, we're closing early because we're having a teaching half day. And I said, oh, well, could you please add this to your agenda? And the lab tech says, oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. And I said, then why aren't you speaking up? Because that is your coworker. Totally. And your coworker is causing damage in community. And he goes, oh, I didn't see it that way. And that's why I love showing from a different set of eyes. I think that's so powerful for a few reasons. One of them is the person that isn't even listening to you about your own knowledge of your body and making a ton of assumptions about you based on the way that your arm looks. It, you know, even from my own personal experience, which is so different that I haven't experienced those same types of judgments and assumptions and discrimination. There is one arm that they could never get take blood from. They just so I'm always like, no, nope, you got to do this arm. And just the fact that there's this hierarchy where they look at me like, oh, no, no, we think. And I'm like, you could try my left arm for like. <laughs> an hour. It's not going to work. You got to go with the right arm. I don't know why. I have no idea why, but that's just the way it is. And I've had blood taken enough times that I know my own body. So a part of it is this complete judgment and, and stigma on top of the fact that there's this hierarchy where people don't believe that we know our own bodies, like, which it's just this horrible feeling for you. And you're like, no, I, I know that this is the right arm. <laughs> You've got to use this arm. You're not going to be, you're just going to create more pain for me. And, and also this mistrust. That's such a, I'm sorry you had to deal with that. It's such a horrible experience. 
And I hope that you never see them again, but part of me hopes that you do. Oh, I hope I do. <laughs> <laughs> so you can tell them, tell them something. You mentioned that um, stigma is experienced in the healthcare setting and that might make people not want to engage again with healthcare. Is there other ways that you think, and it also might make people not want to look people in the eye or, or feel that internalized stigma. Is there anything else you want the listeners to know about stigma experiences and, and maybe the importance of language and in, in, in life in general or in other, other aspects of their daily life, people might be experiencing stigma from family, friends, community members, shopkeepers. In a lot of my presentations and when I speak, you know, words can hurt, but words can also heal. And I was watching a very interesting webinar yesterday and oh, no, I can't remember where that is, so we'll have to accept that. Oh, I've got it. <laughs> um, it's called Translation Exhaustion. Oh. Where they're bringing Indigenous people to the table. Sometimes we're tokenized, and as they use, sometimes we're just the sprinkles you put on top of the cupcake or on top of the icing, which is on top of the cupcake. We're never the cupcake. And I love that. And I'm sorry, I can't remember the mm. person that said it, and I should honor them for these words. But it's like, I'm a storyteller, so my answers come out through stories. <laughs> I love that about you. <laughs> uh, so I was asked to speak pre-COVID. I think it was a class of 12 physicians who were all practicing, but wanted to become HIV specialists. And I was presenting with the head doctor, from, Dr. New York from um, Oak Tree Clinic. And we're presenting together and we were talking about generational trauma and how we carry this and how it can be activated. So there's another word I don't like anymore is triggered. Mm. Triggering can be a very triggering word because we have women that have had guns held to their heads when we're working mm -hmm. with them in their healing journey. So we've I'm trying to change the word triggered to activated because we activate emotions, oh. we activate feelings. You know, it's a gentler, kinder word. And yeah, somebody said, well, why would they be carrying trauma? One of the physicians says, you know what? And we're going, well, from residential school. And they go, well, that was a good thing. Oh, my God. And so we stopped, like, Miora, being the beautiful person she is, beautiful human. She's great. Miora, we're shouting you out. <laughs> stopped and said, now we have to stop our presentations. And we're actually going to teach you about residential school just a little bit. Out of the class, I think it was nine or ten, we're taught in Canadian schools, that residential was a good thing. Oh my goodness. The other ones had their education not in Canada. So it was like they were taught that we were taught how to read it and just wonderful things came out of residential school. So with this break of miseducation, I think this stems into a lot of like not understanding. And I think by not understanding, brings mistrust and then it brings into your own biases and then this stigma monster absolutely grows. An example is James was really sick and he was near liver failure and they were waiting for a new drug to come out because interferon would have killed him for his hep C and he was really sick and his breast started to grow because he wasn't producing hormones and then lumps were forming in his breast so he had to go for a mammogram and right then he had like 
self, like this is for women. And, you know, women say it hurts and these are already tender. We went to a beautiful hospital, Mount St. Joe's, where I was getting a mammogram. So he came with me and they protected me, made sure it wasn't, I'm being forced into it or him being there. They were just so wonderful and respectful. We told the story of his breasts and she actually gave him, asked permission to do a breast exam, which he gave permission. She says, oh yeah, these lumps are very round. They're pretty okay. These lumps are got sharp edges. So she says, we can't do it here, but you'll be sent up to the diagnostic one when you go in. He was treated so beautifully and with respect. Now, James is a was and still is, I guess, up there. Traditional Cree man, you know, he has the long braids, hair down past his butt, you know, very in his culture. He's had a tough life and a tough journey and many, many battles. And we had to go in for the results. And when we were sitting in this little room, two people at separate times poked their head in the door and just looked at us and went out. Oh my God. And I'm going, what's going on? So when the third person poked their head in and looked, I said, excuse me, who are you? And she goes, I am the doctor. I went, okay. So she picks up the file. She looks at James who's sitting there. So she goes, so how much do you drink? Oh my God. And he goes, what? She goes, yeah, how much do you drink? You're an Indian, aren't you? Oh my God, that's terrible. And I'm sitting there trying to be strong for him yeah, and I'm trying to be strong and not upset him by getting like, you shouldn't be saying this. And he goes, well, I don't drink anymore. I used to. She goes, oh, yeah, you must. You're an Indian. And she kept repeating this. And I'm going, this is wrong. But she changes course and she puts him up on the exam table. <sighs> and she's giving him a proper breast exam with her hands. And as she's looking down at his chart, she goes, oh, so what's this drug, Atripola, that you were on? And he goes, that's my HIV medication. And if I wasn't in the room, I would not have probably believed this. She actually jumped backwards away from him, stuck her hands up in the air over her head, went over to the corner, double gloved, which was kind of, she couldn't get the second glove on, came back and with her pointer fingers, poked at his breasts and said, and put her hands back up in the air, with disgust and said, I'm done with you. You can go see a plastic surgeon. That is atrocious. And walked out of the room. This is at the same hospital. Yeah. And this was at the same hospital where he had the most beautiful care from the lab technicians. But here is a healthcare professional, and I'll use my fingers as quotation marks here, who is using the word Indian and thinks that we all drink. I hope that they can lose <laughs> their job or I, I'm shocked that and, and I shouldn't be shocked because there's so much racism and stereotypes towards Indigenous people. And then you also have the HIV stigma in there too. That's terrible. And that's why I'm so grateful for like Dr. Mary Kessler, who is a professor also at UBC and is also an HIV medical doctor at Oak Tree, who invites us in to teach the future generations of doctors. Mm -hmm. And this last class that I did, I think there was close to, there was over 300 online. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and the notes that I got back the following day from them 
saying how that I had changed their perspective of looking at themselves and looking at other cultures, of honoring ceremony and traditions. And I got to talk a little bit about Chiwo's paw that I've been working on, paws of Aboriginal women, and how we're looking at the question is how we can integrate traditional medicines into our healthcare today. And hearing back from these students, I know that future generations are going to be in great hands with these future doctors. And I'm just glad I had a little part of their education. That's amazing. And hopefully, you know, you can share this podcast as well with them and people can keep keep learning about how to be, what to learn, how to act. I guess that brings us to the last stigma question I have for you, which is the listeners of the podcast are all around the world, maybe walking their dog, riding the bus, working in a coffee shop, maybe they're healthcare providers, maybe they're researchers. How can they be part of a solution to challenging all these different kinds of stigma that you've talked about today? What would you like them to do? love each other, but more of that, self-educate. And then after that, talk to somebody. So if you're self-educating you on yourself on residential school or indigenous ways of life and culture, as we know, you know, um, Dr. Google and Google sometimes doesn't have the best answers or the right answers, or somebody may be putting a perspective on there that isn't quite true or but it may be what they think is is learn as much as you can and then talk sit down and talk to someone just find out the real like so we're not asking you're not coming up and asking me to educate you on everything me Mm -hmm. but you do that little bit of work and then clarifying questions like and you know I have recently had the opportunity for the Uh, BC Center of Excellence, we started a task force. I don't like the name, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) So like, it sounds like a a TV show about cops. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, and how to introduce yourselves, like they're really working on honoring the lands they're on and honoring the peoples. And, and, you know, uh, I have to honor Dr. Bob Hogg for really bringing this in. He's awesome. Bob Hogg, we're shouting you out of this to maybe come on a future podcast. He should. He's so amazing. <laughs> but if anyone has, you know, they're questioning what they're writing about, it's like ask Val. <laughs> you know, I'm probably the only one in the office that does not have a degree. I have a degree in life, but I bring that. You have a PhD in life. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years. Maybe one day. Ten years. That's it, you know. <laughs> Okay, I'll wait for my certificate. <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say. You said you said um, Bob is getting people to ask you and you're reviewing yeah. um, people's work. Right, and it's not that I'm educating them. They're working on it first and then making sure we're doing the right thing. And it's so important in our culture when we introduce ourselves, you know, like we say who we are, like I'm a mother, I'm a grandmother, you know, I'm from the lands of, and who we are. And I know some of the people in work have been going and taking courses. And one of them felt so, like she cried when she got back and she actually debriefed with me, which is so beautiful. But it was on in our culture. I, I can't remember what it's called, but she felt so out of place in the circle because she doesn't know where she's from. And everyone else says, you know, I'm this. And, and she just felt so left out. And some people were just sort of, she felt awkward. 
our ancestors are from some ancestral land somewhere and to honor that. And so when I do an opening, I honor my ancestors in the land that I come from, but I also honor everyone else in the audience or whoever I'm talking to, because you're also, you know, your ancestors are also from a beautiful land. And we need to honor that because I believe we're all one people. But ask questions, learn, and have that conversation, I guess, is what I see when my storytelling comes out. It's not asking questions, have a conversation with us mm. or with anyone to learn about, like, you and I having a conversation about diabetes and mm. HIV. It's amazing. I'm living with, you know, diabetes, and we're reading that book together, and... I can't wait to Dr. Emily Mendenhall was a podcast guest and had engaged. So I'll send you the link to her podcast. And she gave me that book. And then I told you about it and even reading it. So we need to have a, a conversation. Let's have a walking meeting one time to talk about her book. And I think that's what I'm saying is just have conversations. Like don't put each other down and we all carry our own truths. And sometimes we've learned the wrong truths from, you know, um, an example, my mom went to day residential school and to this day, she still does not honor her, her traditional, who she is traditionally, whatever happened to her, she's never disclosed. So her truths and my truths, I'm learning, like, I don't know how to put this. I respect that. So I've had to learn from other sources and other elders and other family members because I've lost the teachings from my mother. And it took me a long time to return to culture, like I said, probably in my 50s, because it was taken away. I'm now learning my language. I can say Ninda Luisi, which means my name is. Um, ah. Quay, which is hello. Um, so I'm learning my grandfather's language. So I am so just... And again, it's having conversations with others and opening up your mind, body, heart, and spirit. In my work, I don't use the word emotional or physical in our balance wheel. I'm going back to the old words because when I use the word mental, some people go right to mental illness or they've been told they're a catastrophizer. Mm -hmm. When you say mind health, it comes up to be so much more and kindness. So again, Change warrior, going back to our old ways and words. Another one is I. everybody's talking about decolonizing. I say let's indigenize. It's positive. Mm. Strength based. Oh, yeah. You're, can I say I was in a meeting last week and somebody brought you up because they used the word intervention. And then someone said, no, actually, Elder Val would would not appreciate that word. And then so they they changed the word. It was really, it was really amazing. I think it was in a CTN meeting. So so you're actually the way that you are challenging language in ways that are more strengths-based. It helps everybody rethink and reword. I I just read this amazing article I'll send you. Dr. Eve Tuck wrote about damage-centered research with Indigenous communities. It was a letter calling people to stop talking about damage and start moving towards desire. It was such a, it was such a beautiful and inspiring read and the way that once we start thinking and, and talking about actually what are people wanting and desiring and in many aspects of their life right like what you said just now like indigenizing versus decolonizing there's a different 
kind of energy behind that word. That's so cool. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's just, and again, thanks to Dr. Bob Hogg, when I'm reading the papers and when I, and in a lot of my speaks, I said, because when I went to my first conferences and I was, you know, many peers and, you know, we're going back 10 or 12 years now, maybe it's 15, you didn't see HIV positive people at conferences. It was always the ones that were producing the papers. And I'm looking at this graph and I'm looking at that pie chart and it hit me one day, that's me. That's me up there. And you're talking about me in such a negative way. So when I'm looking at, when we're writing papers, it's like if we were to say this many people, you know, have diabetes, why aren't we saying this many Indigenous people don't, mm. right? Look at the strength base. And then we, you know, because everybody puts out the negative. And a, a really good friend of mine and peer, somebody did a car poster and put it up at one of the centers. And it was such a deficit thing. And here it is in a center where it's all people with HIV here, either living there or getting meals there or going there for groups. And it was like so depressing to them. Like they just said, mm. where's the strength? Like what? We're here. We're alive. Hear us. We're resilient. But no one was looking. And for the, sorry, I was just going to say for the listeners, CAR is the Canadian Association of HIV Research, just in case. Sorry. So you were saying, people were saying we're here, we're, we're resilient. Yeah. And when we're looking at this, you're making us feel like we're insignificant or we're all bad or this is this is everything wrong with us mm. where's what's right with us so in when i speak i say especially for research is even lab techs take a moment at least once a week and to remember who you're writing about we are the voices behind those numbers and we're the spirit behind those graphs and pie charts please remember you're talking about us and we're going to hear about it somewhere, somewhere down the line, we're going to hear what you're saying and let's make it the best saying that you can say. Absolutely. I, I love that. It's, I just finished this book. I'll share it with you if you're interested, but it was, it's about challenging the idea that people are quote hard to reach. And so what I did was when I was writing it, I did, I co-wrote reflection about all these different research projects in different places with with people from the research project and communities. And I basically said, what do you want researchers to, to know or to do? And all of them, including LGBTQ folks, my wonderful colleague and friend, Dr. Candice Liss in the Northwest Territories with Indigenous youth, many different people in the in the book were interviewed, they all said, we want researchers to see our shared humanity and treat us like people. We have the same dreams and hopes and lives and hurt and love that, that, that researchers do. Like, why are you treating us in a, as, as if we're somehow different in a fundamental human way? You know, so what, what you're saying is, why don't we write about people like, I'm that person or that they could read it and feel great about themselves. Yeah. It's a great reminder. You know, we're all human and we're all brothers and sisters. So, yeah. I'm really glad you said that. You're so wonderful. I'm wondering if you have a few minutes for the wild card questions. Okay. First of all, uh -oh. we're, so I don't know if there's, you said so many things, if there's any last things you want to say about stigma before we jump to the listeners learning a little bit more about you. 
So did you want to say anything more about stigma? Or are we good? I did a mask series of masks for um, one of Bob's events and spoke about them. And we put empty masks on a canvas, glued them on, had people write on them. And someone wrote on there, be a stigma slayer. And that is stuck with me. And I just thought that is my message is we can stand up to it and be that defender, um, that advocate uh, for those that can't. And yeah, and be careful with your words and just be so respectful and honest. And yeah, be that stigma slayer, be a change warrior, change your words. You know, you've given me so many possible names for this podcast. It could be Be the Stigma Slayer. I'm not sure yet, but that's a really good one. I really like that. Um, that's amazing. I'm going to put links up to your work and in, in projects. Oh, thank you. That's amazing. I love this idea. Okay. So are you ready for some wild cards? Okay, let's do it. They're fast. Uh -oh. They're like, okay, wild card number one. What are you watching on Netflix? I don't have Netflix. Are you watching any movies or reading a great book right now? I am reading two great books, Rethinking Diabetes. And oh, yes, <laughs> listeners, listen to Emily Menenhall's podcast and read her book. <laughs> uh, I love I, that you are reading that. It's so beautiful, eh? And I don't know how to pronounce it, so I will show it to you. It's How We Came to Know. And it's a beautiful book also on research. That is the name. Oh, Kando Oh, wow. I've never heard of that. It is beautiful. It's full of pictures uh, of flowers. And she has coined the term and which I have used is research because we believe and I it's funny because I've been using that word. Then I see it in a book and it's like we're all getting this knowledge at the same time is we know our ancestors put everything down here before us. And an uh, elder friend of mine, um, Elder Sean, had said one day when I said, I have an idea, a concept. And he goes, no, you don't. He says, think about it. It's been put down there for us to pick up when we need it. It's always been left there for us. So it's like we're now researching for the knowledge that's always been there. Mm. So that's what this book is also about, which oh. is so beautiful. Val, I think me and you, me and you need to have our own like cross country book club because I think we have very right. similar interests in the books. <laughs> That's exciting. Okay. All right. Wild card number two. Do you have a karaoke song? Oh, I haven't sung karaoke in forever. I, I would probably. If you were, what would it be? Um, Paradise <laughs> by the Dashboard Lights. I don't know the song. Okay. All right. I think that's the title of it. It's one of the words in it anyway. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad you had one. I've asked this question. So those people don't have a karaoke song. <laughs> all right. And so the third and last question I ask all the podcast guests, and you've given us so much already today. So it's okay if you don't have, you know, a lot more things, but I'm sure you do. Is there any last words of you know, wisdom, advice, for listeners that's helped you through your your journey in life wow that is such a powerful question for me i think it's culture traditions hearing the drum when i go out for walks and and help clean up mother earth it's like think what's underneath your feet there's the roots of generations there's 
footprints from thousands of years have walked before us and have left so much knowledge for us and start listening to nature because they have the knowledge and that's what we learned from in the beginning and i think what impacted me recently was somebody shared with me a picture of a raindrop on a leaf and these ants going to it and there was 12 ants and they went into groups of three because they knew if there was four or five ants on this side the raindrop would come off the leaf so working together and knowing to have that balance so that no one is taking more than someone else and i just thought we can learn so much from that and it's just that balance and and i think you know the creator or whoever you believe in whoever created us gave us two eyes two nostrils two ears so we could use these senses and one mouth to speak with and when you speak with it make it powerful and make it so that you're respectful of what you say Thank you so much. It's so <laughs> wonderful. And I feel really grateful to live beside uh, four parks. And so that's every day I try to just be out in nature and notice, notice things because you're right. It's such a wonderful, wonderful teacher. And I, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I'm going to be coming to BC for a month in the fall so maybe we can go to the ocean or we can go walk in some some beautiful beautiful parks and in vancouver is so lovely there so i would love that that's so awesome thank you so much i am so honored that you came on the podcast elder Val. thank you you're always such a wonderful teacher and you inspire me and I learned so much from every time that we get to connect. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. It's just, you've warmed my spirit and filled my heart. And I just so, feel so much love here. I just, wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm wishing you a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you. And you also, and I raise my hands up to you for the work that you're doing and for being such a stigma advocate and slayer. You're a stigma slayer also. And I'm honored that uh, you're an ally, a friend and a colleague. And I honor you so much. So thank you. Thank you so much. It's so reciprocal and you're inspiring me to make stigma slayer t-shirts. <laughs> or pins we should i think that's a great idea with you me and you it'll be okay. fun thank, thank you, you again bye, -bye. bye. thank you for listening to everybody hates me a podcast hosted by dr carmen logie join us again for more conversations with stigma leaders from around the globe if you want to listen,